you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. <laughs> With me as always, I guess. I don't know. I can't see him. He's gone. He's a ghost. But it's Kirk. Well, since my baby oh, left me, Lord. well, I found a new place to dwell. All is down at the end of lonely street. What is that weird? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, hello. How's you should have said thrift shop instead with that uh, <laughs> with that that rug you got on there. Model it off. You'll have to watch the YouTube video if yeah. you are only listening with your ears. Check check me out. Well, you still got the Elvis impression, and you just didn't get the look, which is frankly awful. the the <laughs> The rubber hairpiece is is really what's getting me right now. Yes, I found out a few moments ago that this is actually a hairpiece for Clark Kent. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, back. yeah, yeah, for sure. And certainly meant for a small child, I would small guess. Small dog. <laughs> a <I> cat. <laughs> oh, Lord. I didn't know they made those things for babies, but... Um, they do. They do. Wow. What a look there, <sighs> Kirk. Is there a reason uh, you're you're paying homage to the king of rock and roll tonight? No, just a normal Tuesday. Or no, today's Monday. Monday, just a Monday. Yep. <laughs> well, of course. We see this week internationally, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Ah, has there it is. There it is. In theaters. And we have also reviewed it this week, which you can listen to later this week. Thursday. Thursday. We'll we'll be uh, dropping the old Elvis review. We'll see. Um old Boz, you know. We'll we'll see we'll see how he fares against our rigorous review standards. You know, it's his first film in nine years. First film Whoa. since The Great Gatsby. Um, and he, he, you know, he, for being this this filmmaker that like so many people say, oh, I just, I love Boz. He's done like six movies. Right. He, he's he's only done a, a, a few movies. He's not Steven Spielberg, you know. he's He has a very limited list of films. Um, most of which people don't even recognize. I think people think Moulin Rouge. They think Romeo and Juliet. They think Gatsby. Right. But they don't, they don't necessarily think Australia. They don't, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing how he has risen to acclaim with such a, with such a limited resume. Right. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive it because no, a is. lot of other, uh, directors and creatives, they go for quantity. They strive for quality every time, but they know that's statistically not possible. Even Tarantino, you know, I want to make 10 great films, right? So I know or is it nine. It's 10. He's already made okay. nine. He's already made. nine. Oh my goodness. I almost just, we'll see if he my... sticks to that. I'm still, I'm still taking the over on 10, but oh, I just... kind of like Matt Damon, right? How Matt Damon was like, I want to make my first million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm out. Right. Yeah. Okay. Matt. Yeah, for sure. Matt. To- totally. Um, yeah, that explains that explains what was the one the Great Wall. Yeah, <laughs> is that the one he was in? <laughs> yes, totally a integrity project there by Matt. Now I'm not here to sling sling stones at Matt Damon. I'm not. I'm just saying like, if you can make lots of money making movies, you're probably gonna do it. You know, that's Absolutely. just that's money talks, money talks. But um, yeah, we'll get into that. Do you, speak on that same note, <laughs> Brad Pitt this week was saying that he was, he feels like he's in the last stage of his career. I can't remember the exact terminology he used. Yes, he feels like final he's semester, on my last, last semester. Yeah. Last semester is on his last leg. How long do you think that leg of the race is Kirk? I think that's 30 more years. Yeah. Easily. More right. Years. Because he started acting forever ago. Right. So like if this is the last leg 
And he's how old? I mean, 54, maybe. Yeah, pretty close. Maybe, maybe close to 60. No. I'm going to double down on 54. Okay, he's born in 1963. Mm-hmm. How old does that make him? Nope. 59? 63? Math on popcorn for breakfast. 59. He was born in 63. 63. Yeah. So I just mean he's he's been going for 40 years. So another 20 years, he'd be almost 80. So yeah, I'd say yeah, that's fair. Like if it's a three-leg race, this is certainly the last leg, but that last leg might be 20 years. Right, and I think he's not in a position where he's going to feel like he needs to do a movie a year, right? It might be a movie and he's every already like five that, years. He's, I feel true. like he's already doing what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's sort of been in that mode for a while now. So, he's, You know, now he can take on any Robert Redford role he wants to. True. He's stepping into that. And I mean, I'm ready for that. I, yeah. like, I always think about it. I can't wait for the... Like the the big name actors and, and actresses of our, I mean, I like to say actors for everybody, but you know, of our generation to, to get like who is taking on the old person roles because I live for that, man. I love the Robert Duvall's, the Robert Redford's, you know, like the Shirley McLean's like, I, I want it. I want, I want to see them all the way through. I want, I want to see what kind of roles they take because I think a lot of times it offers them a lot of like creative freedom in their later years. Isn't it fun because we saw every every time we get someone who's young, they're the lover role, right? Yeah, they're yeah. Gonna, they're going to fall in love with someone uh, at some point or a hundred movies for it, right? And now they get to be the wise old man or wise old woman who gets to yeah. uh, help the young uh, whippersnappers. Exactly. Teach them the way. It's so cool. It's, it's so exciting. Cool. I'm ready for that, for Brad Pitt. He still looks incredible though, so he's got a ways to go. He's not old by any means. Um No. But yeah, I think that last leg, I think you're probably right. Somewhere around 20, 30 years will be the last leg of his career. Uh, but I love it. I love how I love how those guys throw stuff out like that just to get people buzzing. It's like how anytime they interview Tom Holland, he's like, I might retire. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just to like make sure everybody still likes him. <laughs> I guess that's right. what that is. All that's right. right. But we, we have, other than the Brad Pitt story, uh, which we already covered, tons of news. Well, I'm lying. Let's be honest. We didn't do what's popping last week because we had scheduling conflicts, but also there just like, wasn't, it wasn't a week where you like had to do what's popping. There wasn't like some big story. And so we were like, okay, we've got scheduling conflicts. We'll, we'll push it a week. And then an amazing thing happened, Kirk. And that thing is nothing, nothing new happened in movie and TV news for like the second week in a row. So we're going to go through what there is. There are some big stories. Um, a lot of it is like wait and see type stuff. Like, Oh, this thing has been announced or this person has been cast. So we'll, we'll, we'll cover it all. But, um, it's not, I mean, this isn't like some weeks we have where it's just like, boom, boom, big hitter after big hitter after big hitter. This is not that kind of week. Okay. But we're here. We're going to do it. We're going to have fun. And Kirk has a game too, right, Kirk? I do, I do. It's called biopic schmiopic. Biopic schmiopic. This is where you play the laugh track, right yeah, there. I don't have it anymore, but or yes, the... that's a good one. So that's right, dumps. So I'll have to, I'll have to brush up on my biopic knowledge. I'm guessing, right, Kirk? That's right. Well. 
you'll get no opportunity. There's no study time, no mm-hmm. study period. Right. You will just be thrown into it. Yes. All right. Well, we'll and get I to hope that. You have seen a lot of biopics because I dug deep on this. I have. I've seen. I've seen quite a few. Um, I've been critical of the biopic formula, so we'll see how that fares whenever we talk about Elvis later this week on our review. So swing back for that. But I still have seen lots of biopics. Maybe that's why I'm growing weary of the formula because it's like I've seen so many of the biopics that I'm kind of like getting tired of them. You know what I'm saying? We'll see. But before we get into that. Let's get into what's popping. All right. First up. Oh, where to begin, Kirk? I feel like the the world is my oyster. I have so many different choices here. But here's where I'm going to start. Because I think this is big news. And you and I are not... We're not thronies. I don't know if if that's a term. We're not Game of Thrones people per se. I've seen the show, but I'm not like the world's biggest fan of the show, but they're doing a spinoff uh, shocker about Jon Snow, um, who is played by Kit Harington. And Kit Harington is going to return to reprise his role as Jon Snow, which is a big story. And here's what's really interesting about it to me. If you remember, Game of Thrones did not end on the best terms with its, uh, with its fandom. The, the last season went out in flames people did not like it it was heavily criticized there's like petitions to remake it there's petitions to like strike it from the record um but what's different about this versus house of the dragon which is the prequel series that's coming out is that this one's not a prequel it's a sequel so they're building on to the end of that failed final season by picking up the story with Jon Snow who and Kirk I know you're not a Game of Thrones guy so I'll just rehash this Jon Snow at the end, he he killed, and I did not watch the last season, so I just watched it on Twitter. So here's where where I'm at. Uh, but he kills Daenerys <laughs> Targaryen, um, and in order to avoid a war, the the new king Bran sentences him to like go back to be a part of the Night's Watch and to be banished forever. Um, anybody in the chat who wants to correct me on my Game of Thrones, feel free to do so. But I don't think fans were particularly fond of that plot line, so I'm surprised that they're going this route. Kirk, does this at all make you be like, hey, I like Kit Harrington, so I want to watch Game of Thrones? Or like, what, what, do, you, what do you think about the spinoffs? Are you, are you at all intrigued? I'm not at all intrigued. You know, I didn't know who Kit Harrington, Harrington was because I didn't watch mm. Game of Thrones. I knew his name. I saw his face everywhere. And then I saw him show up in the Eternals. That was the first performance I saw of oh, his. Oh, wow. And he did a killer. Yeah, I saw nothing else of his before then. Nothing. Uh, which is pretty impressive. Over a decade of his work <laughs> in Game of Thrones, I thought he was wonderful in Eternals. I thought he was very electric. He had a, he had a very good character Agreed. development. Hope to see him again. And I think this is a step back because, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's money. You know, I'm sure he feels comfortable in that role feels excited to fix what was done but i feel like he has such a better opportunity ahead of himself to get out of that role and move on because he's done it right or wait like i don't know wait till you get those other big roles under your belt before you go back to game of thrones that you left it seems a little too soon for me yeah do the obi-wan kenobi thing like 
like let it let it marinate for mm-hmm. a bit and then swing back around and get it. I could see that. I feel like I feel like Warner and HBO are kind of panicking with Game of Thrones because it was their golden goose and it had and it had and has so much potential. But that final season like really risked that potential, like kind of pushed it to the edge where like even the most diehard of fans were like, oh, we don't like this. And since the books hadn't been written yet for the final season, they are like really risky because then they can be like, oh, this isn't canon. That's not real. Um, So I feel like they like Warner sees the golden egg like melting before their eyes and they're trying to salvage it, but they don't know exactly which lever to pull. So I think prequels, even though, man, I get tired of prequels in general, are a good play. Sequels are a risky play, but if you do it right, maybe there's a chance to, maybe there's a chance to right some of the wrongs of the final season, though that stuff always feels a little bit like when they use new stuff to retcon stuff that fans openly hated, that always feels a little bit Star Wars has done it a couple times and even though I appreciate it when it happens because I like having the plot holes cleaned up it does always feel a little bit artificial so I feel like it's it's risky territory, but the fans love Kit Harrington. Maybe they'll come back to watch this show. I would even say sometimes when writers are attempting to retcon things that their ideas didn't come across the way that they anticipated them. Mm. And so then they start to over explain in the sequels. And that could be a very much what happens with this where they're like, oh, well, I, I killed Amelia Clark because of XYZ and those sorts of things. So. I don't know. I hope it just gets shelved. And I just want to see Kit Harrington just take off with his career because what I saw in just that little snippet in Eternals was just star quality. Well, and he will be Dane Whitman, you know, the he'll, he'll be Black Knight going forward in the MCU. That's sure to be a pretty big role for him. And to your point, like he killed it mm-hmm. in his lone appearance so far. There, were, there are rumors. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff coming out since... Um, Moon Knight, you know, lots of people were getting Eternals vibes from Moon Knight and and there were rumors that like basically every rumored carry, cameo that I've read about uh, that the directors have said like, oh, we talked about this, but then we didn't do it. It's all been Eternals related. Like they said that Kingo was going to appear in an episode and then they said that Dane Whitman was going to maybe appear. And so like all of that ties into Eternals. So we were close to more, but I, I have a feeling that it's it's on the horizon. It's on the horizon. Okay, okay. As long as I get more Kit Harrington outside of the the Game of Thrones universe, that's all I want. You will, you will. Rest assured. All right. But speaking of Marvel, our friends at Marvel, who always manage to find their way into this episode, the What's Poppin' episode, they're always here. They dropped somewhat of a surprise, I think, um, in announcing. Well, not announcing, but Deadline is reporting that. A Wonder Man, or actually, sorry, The Hollywood Reporter, switching my stories around. The Hollywood Reporter is exclusively reporting that a Wonder Man series is in the works at the MCU with Destin Daniel Cretton, who is the director of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten, Ten Rings, returning to executive produce, maybe show run. Um, and we'll kind of see how that creative team forms out, but they're making a Wonder Man series for Disney+. Plus. Um, so Disney continuing to double down on the series, though I think we can discuss whether that's a successful plan for them or not. But 
Wonder Man being introduced as a fan of the comics, Kirk, are you excited about Wonder Man? What level of excitement does this have for you? How would you compare it to some of the other announcements? Like, is it is it peak excitement or is it lower on the list? I feel like it's lower on the list. I unfortunately don't know that much about Wonder Man. Um, you know, right now I'm going through my dad's old comics that I mm. stole from him. I mean, uh, basically, here's the deal. They were in a closet for like 15 years, okay? Yeah. And he never touched them. Yeah. And I said, Dad, I'm taking these and it's I'm going game. to cash in on all of it. And you get none of the money. And he said, okay. Squatter's rights. And wow. What a, what a terrible choice that was for him. Um, so I feel like I might find him, Wonder Man, pop up in one of these comics, but I don't really know his powers, where he came from, what he can do. So, and the name kind of Wonder Man, I don't know, it doesn't really fit in today's like world of, wow, you know, superheroes. What do you, what do you know about Wonder Man? Well, are they going to put a giant W on his chest? Because I'm so here for that. I feel like they've been trending towards classic costumes a little bit. They've been dabbling in the classic yeah. costumes lately in Phase 4. I would love to see them do that because I, I like the gaudiness of superheroes. Like, sure, modern costumes are more practical, but let's slap a big W on his chest, right? This, this is <laughs> comics after all. But Wonder Man, I feel like this one, for me, the surprise was not like, that they're doing a Wonder Man series, it's that it would it took this long to be announced because if you remember when we were talking about WandaVision, Wonder Woman Wonder Man, I almost said Wonder Woman. Wonder Man came up quite a few times because there are there are some weird converging storylines here. Um, first of all, um, Wonder Man in at least one of the plot lines, like the main plot line, gets his powers as the result of uh, Baron Zemo. Baron Zemo is responsible Whoa. for his powers, but also Simon Williams, who is Wonder Man, is they use his memories and uh, you know sort of like cerebral makeup to make visions memories, and so they have they are kind of so they're not the same person, but they kind of are. Like he shares Vision shares memories with Simon Williams, and so there's this weirdness where like when the whole white vision thing happens in the comics. Um, yeah. Vision loses himself and when they're trying to recreate him he like wants to get his memories back and so they want Simon Williams to participate but then he won't because he's also in love with Wanda but Wanda's not in love with him so there's this weird like love triangle thing that happens um, Simon Williams feels like a little bit like the whole Vision using his memories thing is a little bit invasive and so there's like a friendship, but also a frenemies thing. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot there with regard to Wanda, with regard to White Vision, the West Coast Avengers. Um, so this has been, I feel like, in the works because they've been sticking somewhat, they've been laying heavy seeds, as we talked about with WandaVision, toward some of those West Coast Avengers plot lines. Mm -hmm. And now with like Baron Zemo being in the fold a little bit more with Thunderbolts and things like that, and WandaVision being what it is and, and White Vision still being out there. I mean, we didn't even see him in the Doctor Strange movie. Um, this makes sense to me. Yeah, Thunderbolts makes a lot of sense for them to pop up if, you know, that's where he gets his powers, right? Like, yeah. the, it's, it's right in there. That would be cool. I'm for the W. I'm for the W. I think it's just the name. Like, when they, hopefully they just refer to him as his real name, then Wonder Man, help me, you know? <laughs> you think it's a little cheesy, the Wonder Man mm -hmm. name? It's 
It's maybe one of the cheesiest <laughs> properties that Marvel has. However, we've got a picture up right now. He looks pretty cool, even in the OG. Uh, he came out in, in the original Avengers comics in the Bronze Age, and he looks pretty cool, even with even at that time. So I, I think, think he's cool. I think yeah, he's cool. I, I think his color scheme's cool. I think his vibe is cool. His powers are cool. I think um, it's just Wonder Man. It Wonder just Man. Uh, it throws me off. It really does. So I want to be proven wrong. I want to be proven wrong. Who's going to play Wonder Man? Maybe Henry Cavill? No, I think it's going to be, and, and I know that people are already fan casting this guy as Ben Grimm, um, but your boy from Reacher, the Reacher series. Oh. He doesn't okay. have black hair. He does a, he he has a little more of like a lighter hair look typically. Oh, could dye that. But Alan, Alan Rickson, I think is his name. Um, I just think that that's, he has the right build for it. He's very broad. Um, they could also, they could also make good on their on their Channing Tatum debt here if they wanted to. You know, he's mm. he was so broken up about not playing Gambit, and he was promised Gambit for like forever. Uh, maybe they maybe they finally roll him into it. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But do you think the series, the Marvel series, as a vehicle for introducing new characters, as it's been done with Moon Knight? Um, you know, I guess Miss Marvel for sure, but also She-Hulk. Like, do you think that's a successful model? I think it's successful, but I think we need a break because now we've seen all these introductions play out. And so yeah. if if and when they do Wonder Man, it needs to be like three, four years away. Uh, you I know it won't feel be, like though. You know it won't be. I know. I even feel like with Miss Marvel, while I'm enjoying it yeah. very thir- like very thoroughly uh, right now, I, I just feel like I kind of know how it's playing out. There still are surprises. I'm still enjoying watching it. It's still fun. Yeah. It's still dramatic. I just feel like, all right, I've, I've done this several times recently. So there needs to be a, a break. The saturation is kicking in, man. It's real. Like mm-hmm. the, the Marvel oversaturation, I think is real. I think, I think people are feeling it. I really feel like and we've talked about it ad nauseum on this show, but I really feel like the fringe mainstream fans who are the people who bring in most of the money, the people who go, they will go see every Marvel movie, but they're not watching the headlines and reading, like tying everything together. They're just kind of like, you know, the majority of people who go see these movies, um, they're not on the ride. They're not riding the train through all the series. They're not seeing every movie um, anymore. I think they're they're getting worn out, and I'll be interested. I feel like there's a there's a breaking point coming one way or the other. Either Marvel's gonna correct somehow by either like introducing a through line that ties everything together, and everybody wants to go back and watch everything, or I don't know. The fans, the, the money starts to talk. Right, right. There's someone that we know, I won't call him out because he's an incredible uh, film connoisseur, but someone we know has not seen the last like six or seven Avengers properties, films and series. And I'm like, yeah, like no, no shade because there's so many. If you didn't have the time, it's impossible. So we do it because it's our our job that will eventually pay us millions of dollars. Right. I just want to reiterate to Marvel that we are hireable. We are available. And I mean, they're giving money to to everybody to write a movie. I feel like we just need to come up with a screenplay. Let's just pick the most obscure hero, Kirk. Okay. Because you know, it's only, it's only a matter of time, right? Like process of elimination. They will eventually Mm -hmm. get down to the bottom of the barrel. So if we just find somebody trying to think obscure 
Marvel. We need to find the Marvel equivalent of the Condiment King in DC. Here we go. We've got the (laughs) 3D Man. Love it. That sounds promising. Uh, There's one called Armadillo. Yeah, I know of Armadillo. We could definitely hit that. We can't do that one because you know it. You know it. Um, What else is in here? What else I'm just is saying, there, like, if we scrape the bottom of the barrel, I guarantee we could find something. We write a script. We submit it now. When Kevin Feige has his next retreat with all of his goons to, to plan the next 10 years, they're going to be like, okay, crap, we need to make a This Man movie. And we will have already written the script. And he'll have no other choice. Here it is. Ort. Ort the Living Comet. I think that's the one we run with. <laughs> Love it. Or, however, Mean Cuisine. That's a good one right there. <laughs> what are these? Give me Beta Ray Bill. I think that might be a little too big, but I would I would write the heck out of a Beta Ray Bill movie. Mm-mm. Just We're saying. Ort. <laughs> we have options. We have options. All right. <laughs> Let's move on before we, before we play this bit out. I think we already have. Okay. Next up. <laughs> Oh, where to go, Kirk? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a bone here, Kirk. I'm just gonna okay. I'm just gonna light the fuse and let you fly here because they are making a Matilda mu- movie musical for Netflix yes. with Emma Thompson as Miss Trunchbull. Um, I mean, fire away, Kirk. Kirk, uh, like just for context for anyone who's new to the program, Kirk is a Matilda super fan and has likely been waiting for this day his entire life. So. I mean, have at it. If you are a big Danny DeVito, Matilda fan of the 90s, just know that the story is similar, but it is not of the movie. Just be very clear about that. And still, it is phenomenal. Now, listen to me. I've seen the movie, the film Matilda, probably 8,000 times just in my childhood alone. And the fact that the musical came out and I haven't seen it to this day drives me crazy. It won billions of Tonys. It was seen worldwide. I mean, the, th- this is magical. If you've ever listened to the music, if you're out there and you've listened to the Matilda the Musical music, it is just so enchanting i mean it it really does transport you to a different world and the fact that it's on screen it's it's going to be so great well it says this holiday season so i don't know if that means thanksgiving or christmas but we're not too far away we're already in july here in a couple days so i'm very very excited about this film i'm guessing it means thanksgiving i feel like usually if they say holiday season they're saying thanksgiving but I, I like the angle they're going with it because they just showed Emma Thompson yeeting a kid into oblivion, um, which is incredible, and I'm here for that. I want it to be totally insane. In fact, we saw the role, like, is this is this somehow related to the new Willy Wonka musical too? Because they have the same sort of like font and they call it like Roll Dolls Willy Wonka that we just, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that we just saw. So is there like a, is there like a trend of, new musicals being made out of classic rolled doll properties and this is one of them i think the rolled doll estate is absolutely capitalizing i think there was probably some producers that like hey listen i was a child of the 90s and i really want this to be on stage and it can make a lot of money and bravo because both of them are are resurfacing hardcore yeah well it's exciting and i'm happy for you kirk most of all but i I believe tayana paris is also in this adaptation so that's exciting i think she's fantastic um so very excited about that but mostly excited for you kirk really am thank you i mean at one point actually i still say i still say to aubrey 
I say, um, listen, if we have another girl, I really, really want to name her Matilda. <laughs> and she shoots me down every time. Yeah, that's a tough sell. <laughs> it, it just is. That's a, that's a tough sell. Um, but hey. It's such a powerful name. I, oh, man. And, and you want it unironically. Like, you're not doing it as a troll. Like, you actually want that name. No, I mean, I loved the, everything that Matilda stood for, that she found this inner strength to overcome things out of her control. Yeah. This magic that came about was uh, pure survival and pure um, innocence in the way that she saw and studied and understood the world on a different level. I mean, I could go for hours That's talking to you about Kirk. Matilda themes. Yeah, It's beautiful. I love it. And I'm happy for you. Uh, next up, let's go to another remake of a classic property to keep the nostalgia train rolling. And Disney's back at it again with another live action remake. One that's been rumored forever, but only recently was confirmed, uh, being confirmed by Deadline that Guy Ritchie has been tapped once more by Disney to do a live action remake after uh, the success of Aladdin, which by the way, made a billion dollars in the box office. I don't know if people realize that. Um, to, he's going to do Hercules. Guy Ritchie is returning to do another live-action remake. It's going to be Hercules, which this is the one. Um, this is interesting. People have a have an insane affiliation to this movie. There's an insane tie, emotional tie for for a certain group of people. And I think, you know, my household was not a big Hercules household growing up. We had seen it. You know, watched it, enjoyed it, but it wasn't like one of the ones that we were like, "Oh my gosh, yes, Hercules." But so many people are like, I, uh, the majority of people from my generation, are bit or our generation, I should say, Kirk, are huge Hercules fans. But I've been ultra critical of the Disney live action remakes. I feel like they cheapen it. I feel like they cheapen the original film. I feel like, you know, I was just having this conversation with my sister the other day that. There is a reason, like animation as a medium has a reason for why things are animation. And you can't just shot for shot take something that's animated, which is what they've been doing, and put it in live action and expect it to work because it doesn't. I thought Mm -hmm. the Aladdin movie was not good. I thought that Beauty and the Beast was ultra forgettable, especially since the original is a masterpiece. You know my thoughts on The Lion King. We reviewed it on this podcast. I did not like it. Um, So I'm not particularly excited about this, Kirk, but... What are your thoughts? I'm hesitant because for the very first time, um, I watched the Aladdin live action. And while there are some sequences that are pretty clever, you know, they kind of got flipped on their end and they were made in a different way, which is one of your criteria for yes, why make it. It is. Um, they they were all over with the with the character developments, uh, specifically Aladdin, which ouch, <laughs> and Jafar, like they're. <laughs> their character development was just like weird the 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 tactics that the actor who played Aladdin and definitely Jafar uh, chose were just misguided. Um, I'm fine with you. If you want to make it your own, that's fine. It really is. It really is. But if you're not true to the character and to the character's experiences and you just like go off on your own completely divergent um, interpretation, well, then you're going to lose the audience entirely. So yes. if you don't get Hercules right for the for the, the stands that are out there, you're going to make less than 500 mil in the box office. Here's a question for you. Will it be a musical? It needs to be 
Mm. However, there's not even that many songs in Hercules. Yeah. So, but the ones that I are say there, do all the songs and don't market it as a musical. Yeah, the ones that are there are, are big, are heavy hitters. You know, Zero to Hero and Go the Distance and uh, the song that Meg sings that I can't remember. <laughs> um, but it's like the fans. <laughs> I the, also can't remember it. The fans it's are going to want one, it though, too. They're going to want it. Um, so I'll be interested to see if they go full Mulan on this or if they if they decide to keep it a musical. I don't know. I think Sam Raimi should have had a shot at doing this musical because it is Hercules. As we know, his Kevin Sorbo series back in the 90s. Yes. Uh, was fantastic. Good call. Great call, Kirk. That's and yeah, he's he's now initiated into the the. Thank you. The Disney World with his with his Marvel success recently, so why not? Why not give him a spin at it? But a lot of times Marvel with these live action remakes, they're like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They they used John Favreau multiple times. Now they're using Guy Ritchie multiple times. Like I think they're just like, this is a cash this is a cash opportunity. Let's go out and make some cash. Let's do it with somebody we know is going to tow the company line and get the job done. Guy Ritchie appears to be that guy for them. So uh, mm-hmm. good for him. Good for them. Hope it works out. We'll see. Um, next up, uh, where do I want to go here? I'm going to say a couple of things, and then I have a really fun one for you. One, they appear to be okay. rebooting the Planet of the Apes yet again. Um, so that's an interesting thing because I feel like the smoke hasn't even... like. Like that's that thing is not settled yet. The the Matt Reeves Planet of the Apes series, which was critically acclaimed, and I think probably the best adaptation of Planet of the Apes that you can kind of get in the modern age. Like making these apes like compelling human creatures. I mean, Caesar's like a great character. Um, that thing is still fresh, and yet they're they're now pursuing 20th Century Studios and Disney are pursuing a new Planet of the Apes series. Believe it, it's a trilogy. Um, that's going to be written and helmed by Wes Ball, whose claim to fame is the Maze Runner film series. Um, Kirk, are you? Where, where? I mean, I'm. I think we've had enough apes, right? Yeah, this is a film trilogy, correct? Yes, not a TV series. Films. Hmm. I would feel more secure if it was a TV series honestly um, if you wanted to reboot it go for it see what we can do with eight to ten episodes whatever but as another trilogy no I really don't think that's necessary even if you were going to put it in some theme park at Universal or wherever I think that it still is fresh enough for Matt Reeves just re-release those to theaters for a couple of weeks and get people bought in there's no reason we should have another Planet of the Apes right now yeah, I think the Matt Reeves movies were really good, and I, I don't know what the box office numbers were off the top of my head, but I think they did fairly well. Um, it was quite the epic series. Some of those movies were really incredible. Um, and, yeah, it's and Deadline's reporting this. It's not clear if this is a... Well, they're not saying it's a spinoff. That's where I'm getting hung up. I'm like, if it's not directly like this is a spin-off of that world then i don't see the point in making this because that is like super fresh like when did war for the planet of the apes come out like 2017 or something i mean it was not that long ago 
Mm, it might have been, been 14. Was it 14? Uh-oh. Oh, getting close know. to the dreaded getting close to the dreaded uh, 10 years. Nobody wants to let anything sit for 10 years. Um, the 10-year like itch with movies. <laughs> it seems like it. It was 2017. I was right. War for the Planet of the Apes was 2017. Oh, okay. So I feel like the dust has not even settled on that, and we need to chill out. We need to chill out. Well, that means we've had four Planet of the Apes movies in 20 years. Yes. So I don't think we need four and five and 25 uh, Five and six <laughs> in 25 years. I you think know? it's, yeah, like, I, I think agree. that's too soon. I think it looks like by the year 2023 or 2024. So within the next two years, they're trying to land this, the beginning of this trilogy. I just think that's really weird. I think that's really I agree. I agree. Okay. But here's something they are rebooting. <laughs> and I don't know if this is good or not. It's certainly another nostalgia play. But it's uh, it's Spy Kids, Kirk. It's Spy Kids. Robert Rodriguez is coming back to revamp Spy Kids for Netflix, and they are going with a cast that's going to be headlined by Zachary Levi and Gina Rodriguez, according to Deadline. Um, and Ro- Robert Rodriguez is is back to direct and and kind of make this thing happen. What do you think, Spy Kids in the modern era? Can it work? I feel like it's kind of a meme movie franchise these days so do they lean into that do they try to make it better what do they do well i mean zachary levi can do very little wrong he can do a couple of wrong things disagree i think he does some uh, he does some things wrong (laughs) (laughs) but i feel like there is something here uh you know on on tiktok because i'm trying to stay hip with the kids there was uh name a quote that came from the most unexpected place and they like they so you read off this quote and you say where it's from and there was some mystical like life-changing uh quote that someone said and then the quote where it came from spy kids (laughs) (laughs) and i just imagine like Antonio Banderas like reading off that line and I mean I don't know I'm for it Spy Kids has a special place in my heart I could see them redoing it because I want my kids to get into Spy Kids when they're old enough and it would be cool to have them watch the old ones like the good old ones like one and two and then immediately jump to the new one also if it's good enough not a big Spy Kids 3D game over fan Kirk absolutely not never seen (laughs) it Elijah Wood never seen it (laughs) No. I saw it in theaters with my 3D glasses and it's what it's so funny. It's one of the it's one of the in theater experiences from my childhood that I like really remember. Like I like very yeah. vividly remember like I remember that I was eating Mike and Ike's and I remember the theater that I was at and I remember the glasses and I remember the whole thing. Like it's for whatever reason that film has stuck with me. But I agree. I think <laughs> I think those first two movies are really fun. Um, and yeah, this, this is something today's kids should have. I feel like there's not enough like good collective, uh, viewing experiences for modern kids because they, they're not cable babies. You know, they're like, they're, they're like streaming babies. They like all watch things on streaming. And so they're watching all these different things that are really like curated by their parents rather than just like watching what's on. Um, and maybe this will, maybe things like this help rekindle that community aspect i think there is a real shortage of spy movies for kids when we were kids there was just a bombardment of it like spy kids one spy kids two we had um uh, agent cody banks 
thank you. I was like, Frankie Muniz, what was he in? Uh, we had like the Hulk Hogan was in stuff. We had three ninjas, which were kind of, they kind of did spy things, even though they were ninjas. Yeah, like, and we codenamed Kid, Kids Next Door, the, the animated show. It just keeps going. Like it was all about spies. So I think this could very much kick off a new uh, spike in spy kids movies. Literally the brand and then other spy movies for kids. I love it. I love it. Let's hope that let's hope they smash it. We'll see what happens. Kirk, I have one last one for you before we get into our game because I think okay. this is this is a special treat. I don't know if you've I know you're a big Sean Mendez guy, but have you heard Maybe the biggest. Have you heard that uh he'll be playing a beloved childhood character, one of my favorite childhood characters, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, in the upcoming in an upcoming film that's in the same likeness of like Paddington. I have heard rumblings of this, yes. Well, I don't think you've seen the trailer um, because I didn't post it on social media and uh, I asked you about it to make sure you hadn't because I wanted to show you a clip from it that I think is utterly hilarious uh-huh. in every possible way. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm going to play this right now and I'm going to play it with sound. I'm going to risk it all here, Kirk. They might pull our video down because of this 10 second clip, but it has to be seen and it has to be heard. Okay. Has to be. Here we go. Okay. And I'm playing it because it's promotional, so I should be allowed to share it because it's a trailer. I'm saying that for the lawyers. Okay, here we go. Right. They have a taste for human flesh, but he's not like that. He wears a scarf. And he can sing. Are you sure this is safe? Oh, okay, that's it. Just just Sean Mendez's voice coming out of an animated alligator (laughs) crocodile. I I felt like... (laughs) Like the world needed to see and hear that because it hasn't been viewed by that many people. That trailer has only been seen by like 500,000 people. And that is just not enough because that is, that is absurd in, in every way. And I don't know if it's good or bad. I think it's horrible, but um, it's also hilarious. So here we are, you know, very similar to uh, the movie that we, we reviewed this week, Elvis, you know, Elvis was constantly trying to break into the acting world. And I guess maybe Sean Mendez is attempting that as well. Oh, man. But when you have such a beautiful voice, it's sometimes hard to be able to do absolutely everything. So I don't have high hopes for this movie with uh, Sean Mendez's beautiful, piercing tenor voice to become Lyle Lyle the Crocodile. <laughs> but... I'll go see it for that scene alone. I just want to go watch you watch it, actually. Yeah, you should. That book is a banger. The like, I think there's multiple books, but I always read the original Lyle the Crocodile, and I read it with my kids now. Um, totally, it's crazy. I love how older books were just totally nuts. Like, there is not even good story structure. It's just crazy ideas in a book. I love that that's how people used to write kids' books. And that's what Lyle's all about, man. Like, totally preposterous concept, but it actually has a very sweet, sweet message behind it all. Um, so I think that movie will be utterly horrible. Somehow they conned, uh, Constance Wu and Javier Bardem into being in this movie, but, um, (laughs) so who knows, maybe it'll be another Paddington. I don't know, but it looks utterly horrible. So I had to share that. Well, Sean Mendez, good luck. We wish you the best. (laughs) All right, let's pop it up one last time and then let's play, uh, Biopic, schmiopic. Yes. Kirk, you have the floor. All right. 
ladies and gentlemen, just a reminder. Ladies and gentlemen, just a reminder. We <laughs> have reviewed Elvis Baz Luhrmann's latest movie hit fantastic epic biopic. And that's why we're doing the biopic Shamiopic. Yeah. That was so pretty good. Be, thank you. There's going to be lots of points involved with this similar to last time. I don't have a pen, so you'll have to keep track of your own score. Am I going to be able to, so this is our third game in recent weeks, and I've been yeah. accumulating points. Now, mm-hmm. I have not written them down. I trust that you have. Um, I'm hoping to be able to purchase something with them. Is that yeah. is that what's going to happen, or, or am I going to just public ridicule for not getting enough points, or what's, the, what's at stake here? You know, I have been keeping point tracking in various places, uh, <laughs> like... <laughs> There's another piece of paper sitting somewhere around here. There's yeah, a whiteboard. Right. And now I have this this other piece of paper, and I don't have a pen for the first time I've ever sat down for recording. So Perfect. I'm, I'm going to have to trust you to... Uh, well, to the give, good news is that all of this is recorded, so we can always go check the scoreboard if we need to. Yes, and I will listen back to it and find out those scores. Here we go. Are you yes, ready? I am. Similar to a couple weeks ago, I'm going to give you the name of a movie. You might have to name the movie. I might not give you the movie. I might give you the clue of who the real person is. might give Mm. you a clue to who the actor is. And you have to find the answer. There's 10 points if you get it without any hints. Then it goes one hint, eight points. Mm. Two hints, five points. Three hints, one point. Are you ready? I think so. I think so. This is biopic, schmiopic. Question number one. I was waiting for the, uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Kieran, dim the lights from Ryan Seacrest. Name the title of the film depicting the most influential classical orchestra composer of all time. Most influential classical orchestra composer of all time. It could have also been or- orchestral. I don't know the right conjugation. Okay. But name the title of the film depicting the most influential classical orchestra composer of all time. The pianist. That is incorrect. No. Hint number one. Amadeus. That is correct. Okay. <laughs> give me eight points. We'll count that as hit number I'll one. I'll give you eight points because I didn't get to read it <laughs> off. No problem. It, it occurred to me immediately after. I was like, you idiot. The pianist isn't about an orchestral. <laughs> You're just thinking of music movies, you dummy. <laughs> I love it. My other hints were, <laughs> hint number one, the title has part of his name in it, which is his middle name. Yeah, Wolfgang I've also Amadeus. seen that. I've seen Amadeus, so I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> Oh boy. Just a reminder, this film won eight Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Woo! Director, Best Makeup, and some more. And hit number three, if you got that far, I was going to say Salieri. <laughs> I like it. Just like that. Question number two. Name the stage name mm. of this biopic's subject. This movie stars a young Reginald Dwight on his mission to becoming an unstoppable force in the music industry. Name the stage name of this biopic's subject. Reginald Dwight. Name the stage name. I need hit number one. Hit number one. Richard Madden plays a supporting character in this film. Richard Madden. 
one of my favorites. Icarus. This is not an extra hint. I won't deduct points. But no, I know who Richard. I know who Richard, oh, okay. Richard Madden is. I'm. I'm. I'm very aware of that. But what? What movie is this? Number two, Reginald Dwight is giving me nothing right now. Nothing. It's at crazy, all. right? Hit number two. The real artist has collaborated with Eminem in a groundbreaking performance. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! Oh, Dido. Elton John. There it is. Reginald Dwight. That's his name. That's this is this real? is Rocket Man. That's Rocket Man. That is correct. Wow. You know I haven't seen Rocket Man. Neither have I. That's that's one of the that's that's a black mark on my resume from from last. When was that movie? Twenty nineteen. It a, was yeah, probably, probably, certainly. Okay, I think you've got this one. This next one down. I hope so. I'm doing terribly so far. I don't think you can miss this one. I think there's a full <laughs> ten points. I almost missed Amadeus Kirk. You have no idea what I'm <laughs> capable of. Okay, let's go. Oh goodness! Here we go. Name the title of the film based off of the autobiography of a man surviving Warsaw in World War II. Name the title of a film. Oh, yeah, The Pianist, right? That's right. Wow, it was like a trick question. You gave me the old rope-a-dope there. I was like, what? I did. I did. Man, I guess biopics are actually a little bit hard if, you, uh, if you're not studied up on them. I mean, I'm reading these out loud, and I'm like, mm, these are kind of hard since... It's, pen, it's just, it's, it's hard, like, because you have to, it's like two questions in one. You have to first, like, true. figure out who the person is, and then you have to figure out the name of the movie. That is true. Which that is, is fine. true. It's good. It's, it's a good, good brain busters here, Kirk. Well, the next one, it's, it's, uh, you have to connect the dots again, but I need the movie of okay. the next one. Okay. 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 Elvis Presley. Sure. Took a famous picture at Sun Records Studios on December 4th, 1956. One of the other artists in that famous picture also has a movie biopic. Name the title of that movie. It was Elvis Presley and four other superstar musicians. Yeah. And one of them has a spectacular biopic. I'm going to guess that the movie is Ray. That is incorrect. Ah. Oh. Your first hint. Reese Witherspoon won her Best Actress oh. Award for this film. So it's Johnny, it's Johnny Cash. It's Walk the Line. That is correct. Okay. Very nice. There Very nice. Very nice. All right. I want you to think about your last answer. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> this is your final question. Are you ready? Yes. This biopic produced a Best Actor winner, which was only the third African-American to win the award. Name the movie. Wait, 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 wait. This is a trick question. This biopic. Is it King Richard? Hold on. We're naming the movie. Yeah. This biopic produced a best actor winner. Yeah. Which was only the third African-American to ever win the best actor award at the Academy Awards. Name the movie. It's either Ray or King Richard. Okay. Ray. That is correct. Okay. (laughs) Shockingly. So Will Smith two, is Will Smith is only the fourth then. There might be someone before that. Oh, but Mahershala. It, but it was Mahershala. But it was Mahershala, 
and there might even be one more, but it went Sidney Poitier for yes. Lilies of the Field in goodness, like 19... 19- Way back. 70. Yeah. And then Training Day with Denzel, Denzel Washington. Yes. And then finally. Uh, Jamie Foxx. Uh, Jamie Foxx. One fun fact about Jamie Foxx. This is actually really cool. Really cool uh, movie trivia is that Jamie Foxx was doubly nominated that night in Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor. Best Actor for Ray, which he won. Best Supporting Actor for Collateral. Yes. Op- starring opposite Tom Cruise, which not my cup of tea, the movie. Um, and then Morgan Freeman was nominated for Million Dollar Baby and won a Best Supporting Actor that night. So really a cool night for all, yeah. all involved. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I I need to figure out, because I, I always remember that like when Jamie Foxx won, that it was like pretty shocking that there hadn't been more African-American winners. It's the same with like Viola Davis um, and the African-American females. But right. there's probably, yeah, there, maybe, there, maybe there have been more than Will Smith and Mahershala. I need to go back and dig into the tapes check the award list yeah i remember i was so baffled because i had never i hadn't seen training day because i was too young when it came out but my parents were like wow this is really cool yeah um denzel is these these i mean it's like it's really cool and they're like it's a little shocking that denzel washington is only the second african-american he got like a 45 minute standing ovation obviously yeah it's mind-blowing his performance was just absolutely perfect in that role and be like, why did it take this long? Um, but really, really cool stuff when that, when that stuff happens. And, uh, and man, if you have not seen Ray, if you've not seen Jamie Foxx and Ray, stop what you're doing right now and go watch it. Jamie Foxx could still go get another one too. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he's he, on a resurgence he, tour. Yeah. Here. I think, I think it's coming, man. I think he's going to get a role. I think he's going to get a big role. Um, might have a chance. Might have a, might might be a contender again. We'll see. Mm-hmm. All right, that's our show. Thanks, Kirk, for the game. Biopic, schmiopic. Appreciate it. <laughs> I need to. Did I need you to, keep score? No, I have no idea. <laughs> I, bad, I think, is my score for the game. But that was no. It was fun. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you are a YouTube viewer, first of all, thank you for being on YouTube. Thank you for subscribing, liking, commenting. Um, but also behind a little bit on the uploads, I have a couple of movie reviews to get upload. Those are coming. Thank you for your patience and thank you for watching on YouTube. Um, podcast people, we love you too. Thank you guys for being here. If you're on the stream, thank you so much for watching. It's been a fun show. As Kirk said multiple times and as he, as he showed by his amazing impression, we'll be reviewing Elvis this week. That's actually the name of the movie, Elvis it's about Elvis Presley. Obviously, we'll be reviewing it. It's dropping on Thursday. Don't miss it. Be there for that. Um, number one movie in America officially by the skin of its teeth over Top Gun Maverick this weekend. But it is the number one movie in America for right now. Um, so we will be reviewing that as Kirk puts on his giddy up one last time for us. Well, it's a one for the money, a two for the show, a three to get ready now. Go, cat. You got to save some of that for the, for the review, all right? Um, you know how large Elvis's collection of music is? That's true. That's true. But we'll leave you with that before Kirk sings any more songs for us. Uh, thank you guys so much for <laughs> listening. We want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, and the people who create the real music for this show. Not just Kirk's renditions, but also our original music by Rhetoric. Listen to those guys play you out, and we will see you for our review later this week. I'll talk to you then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>